at last Sunday morning at the beginning, the first service of the year, I started talking about pursuing the kingdom of God because, you know, in Matthew chapter 6 verses, uh, uh, Matthew 11 verses onwards, or chapter 6, where, where he talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. And it is done in the context of our anxiety for daily provision. We all want to, you know, we are anxious. Basically, if you check your anxiety, it has to do with, uh, will I have enough? What's my future going to be like? And, and we worry about these things. We worry about uh, whether all will go well with my life. Will all be well for my family? What's my future hope like? You know, because we can't look into our tomorrow. So all our anxieties, he says, listen, don't be anxious over all these things. Because he, and then he uses nature. He talks about the birds of the field. He talks about the lilies of the field. And he says, look at them. They, don't, they are not anxious at all. And yet they are here today, gone tomorrow. And you who have been created in the image of God, how much more will your father look after you? He is called the God of the how much more. Nobody says amen. He is the God of the how much more. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. We already gave good gifts in Christmas. And now because of her I have to think Chinese New Year. You get poorer and poorer. But you know you, you begin to, you, you want to give good gifts. You want to give the best of the best to your children. If you are so concerned, you make plans for your children. That's why God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Now, when your children are growing up, you don't reveal all the plans to them, do you? You just got plans for them. They don't understand the plans that you have for them. They don't understand why they have to wake up every morning at 6 something, 7 o'clock and go to school. That's bad. My wife and I, you know, when we see all the kids going to school, we, when we drive out, we see all the kids going out early in the morning. We say, thank God it's over. <laughs> Hallelujah, we've gone faster. We don't have, not only, I mean, for her, she loves school. She would cycle five miles every day from her home in Batubala to MGS. Cycle back, then go back in the afternoon again to play games. She loved school. I hated it. That's why you never find a fork in a fork. When you eat, you find a fork in a... Correct. It's always ebony and ivory. <laughs> we are opposites. But the point is, you know, for me, when I said, oh, thank God it's over, I meant for me. She meant for we don't have to take our children anymore. Now it's, they take the children. Hallelujah. <laughs> now you get to suffer like we suffered. <laughs> But, you know, don't be anxious over all these little nitty-gritty things because we are people of the kingdom. And we have a father. It says, if we know how to give good gifts, how much more? So our God is the how much more God. We are kingdom people. And as, I, as we shared at the beginning, uh, that God did not give us a religion. He gave us a kingdom. From the very beginning of time, God entrusted us with the kingdom. Now listen very carefully, please. I, I think some of us don't think this through, at least some of us. That the whole Bible is meant for now. It is not meant for heaven. Hello. But when we are with him, we will be perfect. And we don't need the Bible as such because he will be there. 
and in His presence, all knowledge will be revealed to us, and our minds will be liberated completely. They say that, that uh, the, the, the smartest person on earth uses only 4% of his brain. I even, haven't even started on point one. Point zero 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 one also not yet mine. You know? But everything will be, I mean, God didn't give us 100% of the brain to use only 4%. He gave us 100% to use 100%. But we'll be totally liberated in heaven. The Bible was given for now to show us what kingdom living can be like. So when it was first given to the Jews, they didn't, have you noticed when you read the whole of the Old Testament, there's no mention about heaven. Uh, do you all know that there's an Old Testament? Okay, okay. So when you read the Old Testament, I mean, you, you notice he's not talking about heaven. The Jews understood God and the kingdom of God in such, to such an extent where they realized that kingdom means possession of the entire world. To you and your children forever and ever, you shall possess the land. From the land you shall expand. From the north to the south, from the east to the west. Every place that you set your foot upon, that have I given unto you to dominate. Come on. It was never about going to heaven. Everything was about earth. And everything that God has given us in the Bible, we make it religious. God says it's a very practical book. That's why it has words that some of us do not like, like husbands love your wives. How la pastor, I think easier. <laughs> wives submit to your husband. Oh no, no, that, that, that's a very feminist thing. You know, they're, they're very, you know, you, you guys, you're male, you use that scripture all the time. Wives submit to the husband. How can we submit? Why should I submit? Well, now listen, the reason why Israel became what it was, lost everything for 2,000 years, is because they did not understand and they did not submit, listen to this word, the government of God. In the government of God, there were laws. Now, some people begin to say, no, we are no longer under the law, we are under the new, this is a very dangerous teaching. We are no longer the law, now in the New Testament, we are freed from the law, so no more law. Now, very often, this kind of teaching can go to an extreme because now people say, in churches, no more New Testament, no more Gospels. What Jesus said before he went to the cross, not important. What he said after the cross, you're following with me, is important. Now, that's a dangerous precedence to follow. You're following with me? Because if all the law is no more, then what Jesus said before he went to the cross, he spoke as a man on earth. Therefore, that's not important, only what he says after. So it's a very dangerous thing. We have the full Bible. Paul did not come to take the law away. He was just saying, by obeying the law, you cannot get saved. That's all he was saying. You get saved by what Jesus has done for us. Come on, amen. But the laws of God are still the laws of God. The laws cannot be broken. Come on, amen. So what did Israel do? God said to them, one of the laws, just one of the many is, when you plow the land and work the land, do it for six years. But on the seventh year, don't plow. I will give you enough on the sixth year to last you until the eighth year. Do not plow the land. Leave it fellow. Just leave it. Don't plow the land. Let it, if lalang grow, let lalang grow. Never mind. For one whole year, just leave the land. Because that land for one year is given to me. Six years I give you. One year you give it to me. Just leave it alone. But they did not obey. 
Still on the seventh year, they plowed. Still on the seventh year, they plowed. So God said, listen, you guys have taken away all the years that were supposed to be given to me, so I'm going to take it back. So he got them scattered throughout the entire world for 2,000 years. Back pay. So for 2,000 years, the land became nothing. But then he said, after the 2,000 years, I will bring you back. You have paid your price. You have paid your penalty. I will bring you back. And when I bring you back, it will flourish like a garden again. So if you go to Israel now, it's flourishing like a garden again. Why? God's government. Everybody understand? All right, now let's go into the word this morning. So when we listen or submit to the government of God, now I'm going to talk about that in just a little while. Let's go. Colossians chapter 1. What am I saying? I'm saying that we misunderstand the Bible. We misunderstand kingdom and religion, as I spoke last Sunday morning. We misunderstand the Bible. We think the Bible is all about religious rules, regulations, and, 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 and ceremonies, religiosity. But it is about kingdom. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. We are praying to that you will be filled with his mighty, everybody read that, mighty, glorious strength. Why? So that you can keep going on no matter what happens. Come on, pause there for a little while. What's he saying? It doesn't matter what comes by your way, hell or high water, whether you have good times, bad times, I'm telling you, you need to be filled with God's divine strength, so that whatever comes by your way, this is kingdom living, you will be able to go on. Amen. Always full, full of what? All right. I hope none of you read grumbling and complaining. Full of the joy of the Lord. Joy, happiness, two different things doesn't mean that we are giggling all the time. It means that somehow inside of us, we've got a song in our hearts in spite of the hardness. God, I thank you in the midst of the storm. We, we just sang that song. Now, those songs are not meant for us to just, it's a nice song. And when a song like that is sung, especially by Sherwin, we all want to keep quiet. Because he's got a good voice. He's got an anointing on his life. Let him sing it. Good, great. Because it carries an anointing. Just, just bathe I didn't know the song. I don't know how many of you know the song. Some of the songs they lead, very hard to sing. Right? So, so if you don't, don't, please try not to sing with them. You only ruin it. <laughs> just, just let them sing and bathe in the presence of the Lord. Come on, amen? That the storms, notice we talk about storms. We talk about different things that will come by our way. Always full. And always thankful to the Father who has made us fit to share all the Wonderful things. Everybody say wonderful. I don't think this is a negative message. This is a very positive message, isn't it? Paul's writing a positive, powerful message. Wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom. Now notice all of this. This is kingdom talk. The gloom of Satan's kingdom brought us into the kingdom of his dear son who bought our freedom with his blood, forgave us of all our sins. So it's kingdom talk. 
When we have the kingdom of God. So in seeking of the kingdom of God, we're going to talk uh, about seeking God and all of that. But the kingdom of God is more than just possession. Now we come into the new covenant and everything else. It's more than possession of things. For a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses. But the abundance of God in his life that he possesses. The more of God I have in my life, the more of the kingdom of God I have in my life, then you can, remember in the, in the New Testament, when they became Christians, all their property was confiscated. There was no houses and lands and big cars to brag about. Now look at me, I'm blessed by God. They had nothing. But what was the thing that caused the people to still want to become believers? I mean, people were killed in the church, man. You read the book of, where it talks about Ananias and Sapphira being killed in the church? I mean, they died in church. And the news went out that something like this happened in church. And it says, great fear came upon the people and more were added. The presence of God, the joy of the Lord, the government of God had come into the, uh, had visited earth. Amen. Do you know that the church is basically the one that, that uh, uh, exemplifies the government of God? That's why Jesus said it like this. I will build my church and the gates. The word gates is the word for government. I will build my church, my government, my ecclesia, my gathering of my people, and the gates of hell, Satan's kingdom, will not be able to stand against my kingdom. Come on, amen. Come on, church. Amen. All right, introduction to kingdom government. The main cause of all the turmoil that we face around the world is because of management or mismanagement of governments. All right? When they mismanage, then everything becomes wrong. What we are facing even in our country, listen, we, we have to be, speak about situations even in our nation. The reason why things go wrong is because the government does not know how to manage what it already has. Mismanagement. So, the first prototype of government was introduced by God himself. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Verse 2 and 3. Let's see if we have that scripture up there. Genesis 1, verse 2 and 3. Now listen to this one. So, the earth now was formless. In other words, there was no order. It was empty chaotic emptiness, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So the first expression of governmental structure was a desire by God to bring order to chaos. Everybody following with me? That's the first governmental structure. The, the reason why there was this desire to bring order was because there was chaos. So God began to introduce his first government. All right. The purpose for this government is to maintain productive order and management. Everybody okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 5. Now, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to cultivate. 
So there was no productive growth because there was no man. Here are God's tools on the earth. One, the Holy Spirit. So when there was chaos, when everything was wrong, the Spirit of God began to move. Come on, amen. Second tool is the Word. And God spoke the Word. Let there be. The third tool that God uses is man. For as long as there is no mankind, the earth cannot have productive order. There will be no proper production in this whole world. All right? That's why we were created, placed on this earth to begin to uh, uh, allow kingdom government to function like it should function. There was, I'm sure you heard about the man who, uh, somebody came by and looked at his garden and said, my goodness, man, you've got such a beautiful garden. He says, God really has blessed your garden, hasn't he? And he said, well, you should have seen it when God had it to himself. <laughs> huh? So which means God gave the garden. Those of you who have been to Israel, you also know that the land was barren. It was terrible. And then they came in. Do you know when God said to the children, you shall go into the land and possess the land? When they came into the land, Israel is one of the only nations at that time. Now they just discovered oil, but at that time, there was no oil, nothing. So they had to literally carve out the land and make it become what God intended it to become. A garden in the midst of turmoil all around. Some form of order some form of order to the chaos that is all around the other nations. Everybody following with me? To be an example. So there is this introduction to the kingdom government. Let me give you the definition of the government. Is it up there? Do I have this? All right. What is kingdom's government? All right. The governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will. God, all right, the king. His personal will, his purpose, his intent, and producing a culture, value, morals, and lifestyle that reflects the king's desire, his nature, through his citizens. That's kingdom government, where God wants his rule over the land. And that's why he chose just one nation, Israel. And he said, through you, I'm going to exemplify what it means to have the kingdom government over your lives. Amen. As long as you follow and you submit yourself to my government, then what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of good things happen. So you got a lot of wonderful promises that God begins to give them, amen? Where he talks about where I will, I will, uh, I am the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who blesses you. You shall be the head and not the tail. You shall have, you know, you, uh, in, in your homes you shall be blessed. The fruit of your womb, your, 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 your wives will have many children. You will be blessed above all nations. All this is under the government of God. But the moment they refused to submit themselves to this government, when they decided that they did not need the king anymore, then what happened was Israel began to go downhill. So which tells us something. As long as we are submitted to the government of God, and we begin to desire the government of God, then things will begin to function the way God intends for it to function. So here are four simple things that the Lord said. All right? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where we shared last uh, Sunday morning. Above all, above all, constantly, come on, chase after the realm of God's kingdom. Go after it. Desire it, all right? 
and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things will be given unto you. Four simple things I want to share with you this morning. Number one, the first thing is pursue. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek to chase after. Seekers have a strong desire to know, to possess, and they possess a passion for the object of their search. It means to give diligent dedication, to preoccupy myself with that which I am seeking after. Have you ever heard people say this thing, you know? Oh yeah, that guy, huh? always chasing after girls. Which means his, his entire attention, his devotion is girls. Uh, when we first, when I first entered the ministry, the whole desire of my heart was the kingdom of God. Basically to live under the rule of God's government. Didn't matter whether we had or we did not have. So that desire, uh, ne- because of that desire, we never saw, I never saw things as a sacrifice. You never thought, oh, I'm sacrificing so much, you know, uh, for the kingdom of God. Now, uh, I was the associate pastor. So, as I shared before, you know, we sleep on the platform. We never think of that as suffering for Jesus. The senior pastor will always get extra love offerings. Associate pastors hardly. <laughs> but the senior pastor will get. And, and, uh, but we never think, you know, oh man, that guy's getting more. I'm not getting less. No, no such thing entered our mind. Our whole priority was the kingdom. So I would go on different days uh, up to... Tanjung Malim to Pioneer Church on the motorcycle. And then because I was also attached to uh, my brother, he was in the executive, he would send me to Kuala Lipis. How many from Kuala Lipis here? Anybody from Kuala Lipis? Nobody from Kuala Lipis? Huh? All right. Lisa from Kuala Lipis. There are others also from Kuala Lipis. And Kuala Lipis, yeah. Are you from Kuala Lipis, huh? So, uh, so I, I used to go to Kuala Lipis at that time, you know, the no proper highway kind of thing. So you use a motorbike and, and you go all the way there. And then the church, actually, the, the man stayed in the house. He was one of the members. He stayed in a nice house. And then he used his garage, which was an old broken down wooden building. And uh, so that was where the church was. They had maybe about 10 chairs or, uh, you know, about four, four pews. And, and you'd stand there and preach. And going to Kuala Lipis those days, you know, it gets pretty cold, especially very early in the morning or in the evening, it gets very cold at night. And so you ride your motorbike, go there, and then after the meeting, you have to sleep uh, in that building, that little broken down shack, uh, and sleep on the pew. And mosquitoes would come, you know, and I mean, just bite all over. And I would say, well, thank you, Lord, you know, privilege of serving you. I mean, you, you have to talk to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of ministry. I preach my heart out, you know, to all those, that crowd of four people and uh, preach out. And then after that, you, know, you go and s- then uh, you sleep on the pew and, and mosquitoes are biting all over. So thank you, Lord, I'm filled with Jesus and, and the blood of Jesus is inside of me. And every mosquito that bites me will go away singing, there is power, power, power in the blood. And, and you start telling yourself all these things as you lie there. And you cannot already then 5 a.m. take the motorbike rush because you've got to come back and go to another service at a school. And uh, we never think of anything else except that the kingdom come. Now, there are some ministers, you know, younger ones who are now coming up in the ministry, begin to look at you at where you are now and begin to think that's what the ministry is all about. But when seeking the kingdom of God, 
I think if you tell the guy, you got to support yourself, you got to go sleep and mosquitoes are going to bite you, I think they would say, all right, call somebody else. <laughs> okay? uh, but we sought the kingdom of God. And when you seek first the kingdom of God, God knows how to bless you. You pursue after it. That is what you want. Uh, thank God for the flowers this morning. People who, who began to decide, I'm going, I'm going to seek this, I'm going to seek, all right? So the first thing is you've got to pursue after it. Number two is prioritize. Prioritize. Seek first the kingdom of God. So you have uh, Stephen and Monica. Let's give them a good hand for uh, the flower arrangement. They knew Christmas decoration went, so gong zi va chai. Ready for Chinese New Year now. And, and uh, I don't know what they're going to have for Deepavali, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, John came directly from Delhi, from the airport, came directly to attend service this morning. That's prioritizing the kingdom. Amen. Uh, when you seek first the kingdom of God, then you begin to understand when God's kingdom is sought after, when you begin to put that first, God, I want your kingdom, which means I'm not going to try to do things my way. I want your kingdom to be my priority, your government over my life. Everybody say government. All right, the government of God. I want the government of God to be over my life. There are laws that we practice in this land. There are also laws that God begins to practice. Now, number, number three, permanence. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Why do I say it's permanent? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. Everything else is going to fall. But listen to this one. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and... Forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Now listen. The desire of God was that the rule of David would continue forever. That was, that was the plan. But like I said, when we refuse the king and his government, that government falls short of what God wants to do. You're following with me? So when we refuse to make this our permanent search, that God's government must be over my life. I will follow the rules and regulations of God. Come on. And when we follow those laws, not compromise in any way, strictly following what God desires of us, it is a very simple thing. Now, what did Jesus say concerning the laws of God? He says, you shall, there are two, two laws that we must fulfill. Number one, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love God. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do these things, in other words, value God, value people. That's my government. That's how you live out this government laws. When you begin to value, then you begin to put a lot of things into place. Now, Romans chapter 5, very important scripture. Death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom? 
through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah. That's the plan of God, like I shared from the beginning. It is reigning in life. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, eating and drinking, having more than enough, eating, drinking, having a party. That's not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which means that I seek this kingdom in my life, that in spite of not having sufficient food, not having sufficient drink, not having all these things that I'm concerned about, my major concern is, God, that I might have a right relationship with you, we'll talk about that in a moment, right relationship with you, that I might have joy and peace in spite of all that I lack. I have found the kingdom of God. Come on, amen. Our problem is there is never enough. We always want more and more and more. When we seek first this priority, I want there to be peace in my life. I want there to be joy in my family. When I seek after these things from God, because this can only come from God, the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's not peace that passes all understanding. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. When I read the Bible, it talks about though we don't see him, we don't have the reality of his presence, we cannot feel him, he is not around. Though we do not see him, yet we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I want that. So even when God is not seen in my circumstances, I can still rejoice with joy unspeakable. How is it possible to see God when you are being beaten and tied, uh, you know, in a prison cell with, with slime right up to your waist and you are hanging there? And all kinds of, you know, things are eating, your back is bleeding and all. And he begins to write a letter to the church saying, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. How is it possible? Only if the kingdom rule is in their life. Can I hear an Amen. See, we need to understand that it must become something solid. That is what we must seek after all of the time. We must work for it. It says this in the Bible. It says that, you know, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This is something I must work towards if I want to see things happening. Listen to me carefully, church. When he spoke to the children of Israel, he simply said, this is how I'm going to bless you. All right, we all know Deuteronomy 28. In blessing, I will bless you. And then we talk about all the blessings of God. Okay. If you submit to my government, all these blessings will come upon you. Now, the word of God has not changed. The blessings of God still remain. If you read Deuteronomy 28, you will see all the blessings. Don't go to the cursing part because that's not for you and me. Because I want to walk under kingdom government. If I don't, then he says, if you don't, then you have to work things through yourself, then all these things will happen to you. If you don't submit to my government, all the negative things in, in that follows will happen to you. God curses no man. Man brings a curse upon himself. How could the God who says to us, bless and curse not, curse us? God is one who practices his own word. When he says forgive, it's because he has forgiven. When he says, curse not, it means I will not curse. 
But we bring a curse upon ourselves. When man left the government of God, almost immediately, judgment began to come upon him. Thorns and thistles, all that you now have to work in the sweat of your brow. Before that, it was a good thing. God's presence would come down. They would have a conversation together. Come on, amen. Things were going so well, but when they walked outside of the government of God, everything began to go wrong. Two, only two boys, man, they fight among themselves. One kills the other. Think about that. It's a terrible thing to walk outside of the government of God. However, we've got to work hard to possess all that God wants us to possess. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 12, 24. If you want to reign in life, don't sit on your hands. Instead, work hard at doing what is right. For the slacker will, went, will end up working to make someone else succeed. That's something. I want to reign in life. But reigning in life doesn't come easy. Our problem with many Christian, uh, Christians is they feel that now that they are believers, everything's going to drop in their laps. No. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, which means that and only the violent take it by force. When we are violent in our pursuing of the kingdom of God, then we begin to take it. When we pray that these things happen, when we're willing to pay the price to see these things happen, when we obey God's laws and God's government in spite of all that's being yelled at us, we still say, no, 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 I'm going to walk this way. I'm going to stay right before God. Come on, amen. Number four, positioning. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. This simply has, and many misunderstand this, this has got nothing to do with becoming righteous as such. This has to do with a discipline of law, which simply means it has to do with our right standing with God. Seek a right standing with God. Enter into his gates with, and into his courts with, see, you know. So I don't enter into his gates with, Oh God, I'm so sorry. I've got so much of sin in my life and I failed you. And enter into his courts with the right standing. I can praise him. Come on. Into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts, I enter with praise in my heart. Then as you come in, realizing that you have a right standing with God, your position in God, that's where he deals with the other problems. Your sin problem. Come on, amen. Your battles, your struggles, your anxieties. But it begins with you understanding who you are. That's why last Sunday morning I said, the enemy lied to Eve by telling her, God knows that in the day you eat, you shall be like him. And she swallowed that lie. Why is it a lie? Because God already made her in his likeness and in his image. She was already made just like Adam, to be like God. Can I hear an amen? But he lied and, and, and began to put a question mark on, do you know who you really are? You're not really like him. You're not like him. You're, you're just not right with him. And because of that, you know, God doesn't want you to be like him. He, he wants to keep you away. See, because I tried to be like God, and I was cast out of heaven. So God does not like anyone to be like him. I tried, but I was cast out. I wanted to be like God. In fact, I wanted my throne to be above God. God didn't like that, so he cast me down. So now I'm telling you, 
God doesn't want you to be like him. No, God wants us to be like him. Come on, amen. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, they say. Amen. Oh, we are good apples. I hope none of you are rotten apples. We are all good apples. Come on, amen. We are like him. We are like him. We're made in his image. We have a right standing with him. The greatest lie is you're not worthy enough to come into his presence. Everybody is worthy enough to come into his presence. Seek that understanding. Seek the understanding that I am worthy. In spite of my sin, in spite of what I've done uh, that, that I feel is so bad, I can still enter his presence. Thankful that I can stand in his presence. I don't come in because of my righteousness. I come in through the blood of the Lamb. I stand in his presence by the blood of the Lamb. That's what Hebrews says. Therefore, because of the blood of the Lamb, let us come boldly into his presence. The lie is you cannot come in because you're not worthy. The truth is you can come in because he will make us worthy. Come on. Amen. So seek these things. Seek uh, the understanding that we are actually children of the living God. I love this scripture and the way it is said. Therefore, chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. So now, the case is closed. Because what are we talking about? A legality. It has nothing to do with religiosity. How I feel. How good I feel. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with legality. So what does he say? Romans chapter 8. Those who study law will understand in the early years, if you wanted to be a lawyer in England especially, you had to read the book of Romans. Because that was one of the requirements for law. It is a whole law book. So Romans 8, the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Can I hear an amen? The enemy accuses us. Okay? The Spirit of God will convict us. Our heart will condemn us. But the God himself says there is now no more condemnation. That's why we find it hard to get into our, the presence of God. Because our hearts condemn us. Hearts tell us we are bad. We are useless. We are useless. Therefore, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than the condemnation of your heart. 1 John chapter 2. Amen. If your heart condemns you, the enemy can only accuse you. But it is God who begins to say whether the case is closed or still open. And as far as we are concerned, Paul says, so now the case is closed. No more judgment. No more condemnation. Can I hear an amen? Stand with me, please. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, help us to see who we are in your presence.